Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. This world is a beautiful place, but many things are broken. So Mark and I set out on a journey to try and fix them. We started the Two Stewards Show, but we got distracted. Staying on topic can be a struggle for us at times. We find it easier to focus on what we do best, which is having long, drawn-out conversations about our broken world. But today, our conversation is about a different world, an imaginary one where the money is perfectly sound, perfectly perfect. And as you may have guessed, we got distracted. How would sound money affect government control or banking or our individual lives? One thing we know for sure is that our government is not doing us, our society, or future generations any favors by printing all this money. One solution we have found that can help combat or even benefit from broken money is investing in real estate. If you want to learn more about how you can use real estate to steward your wealth, email the show at hello at twostewards.ca. And now, let's imagine a world with perfect money. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Two Stewards Show. My name is Mark. I'm here with Brent. Brent. I think if you made it to this episode, congratulations. Well, you never know. People have <laughs> short attention spans these days, right? <laughs> Either way, welcome back, folks. We've been talking about money and... Um, you got a bit of a cold there, Mark. Uh, yes, I certainly do, sir. I, I do as well. Raspy today. coughing the whole time, so... Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, money... Um, our money system, how our money system is corrupted. There's a problem. And now we just want to take a, a flight of fancy this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, we talked about hyperinflation, right? Yeah. And what happens when we have a corrupt money and it goes off the rails. And Yeah, that's sort of the worst, worst case, uh, Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hyperinflation as yeah. the result of um, a bad money system, right? Yeah. So now we want to, yeah, think about like what would a world look like if we had perfect money, that's a or bit at least of a really good money. Yeah, it's a <laughs> bit of a, it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, it's like you know, what, what does heaven look like, yeah. right? Or what would what should heaven be like, right? So um, we don't really know. We're going to take a stab at uh, a world with uh, perfect money, or at least good money. Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, nothing is perfect in this world. But what would a world uh, in which we had good money look like? And we're going to do this super briefly, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, we, we promise. Got, uh, we only got a few points, <laughs> and we're going to gloss over a lot of this and yeah. uh, get yeah. right to the point, and then we'll be done. Yeah, no superfluous joking or anything. We no. promise. Okay, Brent. What, um, <laughs> what would a world with, with good, sound money look like, do you think? Well, well, I, I kind of want to start where we left off. I don't know if you're okay with this, but um, no. we went through in the last couple episodes about the properties of money, right? Mm-hmm. The characteristics of money. And um, I think if you want to look at what would perfect money be, you kind of got to look at each one of those properties and say, okay, well, what, uh, what if we could find something that exhibited these properties, um, I don't say imperfection, but really, really, really well, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and what would that do to um, our society, our world, our, you know, our lifestyles, our government, our healthcare, whatever, all these different um, aspects right. of society. So I think before we get to those things, we want to talk about maybe the properties. Does that make sense as a framework for getting into this? Yeah, I think so. Because um, we, we have talked about, uh, like, you know, gold as a reasonably sound money. And then we actually have historical examples that we can, uh, or that we have cited as well, right? As far as, you know, if if we had, you know, or when they used gold as, as money, this is the kind of thing that uh, that happened that existed. But um, but yeah, I think going through the the properties of money would, would be... Uh, um, would be good, but one important thing uh, for me to note, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, um, is that well, yeah, maybe we'll have to get okay. Th- so this is one of the <laughs> this is one of the one of the uh, characteristics, I guess, and we'll get into it. But in a world with sound money, the government would not be able to print that money because they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't have access, they wouldn't control it, 
So you really got to think about like, what would a world look like where a government could not run a deficit because they couldn't just print money? Yeah. And that would, that would extend to banks as well. Or banks, if they did run a deficit, they would go bankrupt. Yeah, ex- like, yeah, that's right. They would run out of money. The consequences halfway through of their the year. printing would hit them like, you know, a slap in the face in a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or b- before their yeah. uh before the year was up. Yeah. But then also our banking system would be vastly different because banks would also not have the ability to print money. So then, you know, in real estate what we're how we look at things, right? A lot of real estate investors depend on the ability to get a mortgage. Yeah. So to buy something without actually having all that money. Um, so that would vanish as well. So it's, it'd be very interesting, but you're right. <laughs> let's go into the, into the properties of, um, well, the first one on our list, money. the first one on our list is store of value. So if you think of something, um, Remember these, yeah, these are characteristics of what makes for good money. So good money would have uh, to be a good store of value, meaning like uh, whatever I hold as money is going to be valuable in year, for years and years and years to come. And so we've talked about gold, how, um, you know, relatively speaking to other things, you know, when you hold gold, uh, you can expect it not to deteriorate. So it's a good store of value in that sense. Um, but yeah, if something's a perfect store of value, um it's something that you can really rely upon, right? Like, um, uh, that kind of, I don't want to say it gives you a sense of security. This is going to be an interesting episode, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you think. (laughs) Well, it would give you a little bit of a a sense of security about, uh, you go to work, you earn, earn your money. And then you know that that money will still maintain its value for hundreds of years. Yeah, I guess if we say perfect, it would be indefinite, right? But I could give this money to my kids, and it would still have the same value uh, when I give it to them and they give it to their kids or whatever, right? So you kind of in in that world, you're kind of incentivized to work hard to earn this money, yeah, and then just keep it, I guess, right? Like you well, wouldn't necessarily want to get rid of it unless you needed to spend it on something. But like there's, there wouldn't be an incentive to go, Hey, like I gotta go spend this cause it's losing value. It's like, no, it's a good store of value. It's going to maintain its value for a long time. If I keep like, if I spend 10% or if I give 10% and I spend 20% or whatever, and I keep the remaining, it will just keep its value. Yeah. And, and that's interesting because you, like you read about people who, um, will hoard money or like, you know, store money under their mattress or, you know, whatever it is, save up this, or, you know, people doing rentals, they'll find like wads of money in the yeah. wall or whatever, I right? I never did that yet, but. <laughs> well, keep, keep, try, keep looking. <laughs> you got to do full gut rentals. That's yeah, the yeah, key, yeah. right? You yeah. can't just do a lipstick. Uh... <laughs> it's like a lottery. You buy the house, you do a full gut rental and there goes a couple hundred grand, but you might find. You might find 500 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the point is when you have this money that somebody has saved for like 30, 40, 50 years, um, it has lost most of its value, right? Yeah. So it might be a thousand bucks you find in the wall or something, right? Yeah. But that's, you know, what can you buy with a thousand bucks today? You can't buy a car. You can't buy, um, well, you might be able to buy a car. <laughs> you wouldn't <laughs> want gonna, the car then. <laughs> no, <clears throat> you can buy a really nice bicycle. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Um, Not even a really, really nice one. But no, like no. Just a, a, a nice. Decent. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> whereas tire 40, 50 years ago, that money would have gone a lot, a lot further. So the act of saving that money was was just self-defeating, Yeah, right? It was not worth it. So, you know, if your grandpa saved up money and then um, had it sitting in a, a, yeah, either in cash or in, a, in the bank, yeah. in a low interest bearing account, uh, same thing, right? Yeah. It's just, it's lost most of its value because yeah. inflation just eats and eats away at it. So... That's that's something that like nobody that's alive now would have any real experience with. Yeah, they're not actually taking that action, right? And I think that loops back to like what would perfect money look like? Well, you would kind of be incentivized to save, right? Yeah. Because it actually does store value. Whereas like you mentioned, we're, no one in our lifetime is kind of doing this because like you'd be foolish to take something that's not a good store of value and store it. <laughs> yeah. Because we've had inflation just as a yeah. matter of fact. Yeah. Um, for, for our lifetimes. Yeah. It's unavoidable. In the, in the lifetimes of our parents and, and grandparents, right? We just take yeah. it for granted. 
that's what happens. Yeah. But yeah, you, you read, again, you read about, you know, the people hoarding or having a chest of gold or hiding that gold coin under the mat. And then, you know, they, like, I don't know, the stories <laughs> I like to read, right? About the Middle I'm going to be going to look under every single mat I can find. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be in a little yeah. cottage in, uh, in rural Europe somewhere. Yeah. Right, but where the father like gives a handful of coins, right, and that yeah. represents his life savings. But they didn't deteriorate; they're actually worth something. He yeah. worked for twenty, thirty, forty years to save this money up, and it held its value. Yeah, why well, is the example I've heard before where like one ounce of gold, you know, hundred a couple hundred years ago, you used to be able to buy a nicely tailored suit. That's yeah, that's and right. Now one ounce of gold will still <clears throat> buy you a nicely ta- tailored suit. So exactly, like, it's kind of. Um, the purchasing power uh, or the store of value of that money has not deteriorated against the goods because you're still able to get the same like services. You know, yeah. Maybe the quality of the fabrics or whatever was better or worse or whatever and the technology that they used to make it. But, yeah. you know, um, yeah. So that's the first property. <laughs> we said we we're going to do these quick, Mark. Oh, well. Divisible. So we haven't even, folks, we haven't even thought of these I don't know. Maybe you did, but I haven't thought of these properties in relation to perfect money yet. So we're going to go through this live. We're trying to figure this out. So what would the, the property uh, money being divisible, how would that um, relate to, or what would that look like if it was perfect? Well, I mean, our, our money now is, <clears throat> I would say, infinitely divisible, right? The Canadian yeah. dollar? in Into, uh, I, would, I would think about this like, um, in the currency form, like where we have cash and coins, it's kind of denominations, right? It's like you yeah, got 50, 100, you got 20, like it's big chunks. And now you get nickels as the smallest, yeah, the smallest physical yeah. denomination because we get So it is divisible, but it's not like, you know, in terms of making a very, very, very accurate transaction on a really small thing, like it would be tough to... Well, so you, you can do that digital digitally, yeah. right? Which I think is an advantage. Yeah. That you can actually make these micro, micro, <coughs> excuse me, micro transactions yeah. um, for fractions of a penny if you had to. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's probably a positive with the aspect. money that we have now. With the money that we have now, but the <coughs> it has to be done in the digital world, like gold. Uh, well, so with gold, you could you could divide things if you had a gold coin. Um, you could always is, melt it down and come you up can, with can, but that's a huge it's, process, yeah. right? It's not like we, you can just instantly do that yeah. now. The, the only the issue now would be the payment reels that we use and the costs associated with those, right? Where right. it's often not practical. But what do you mean by the payment rails? <laughs> Sorry, we're both coughing and hacking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll edit that out in post, right, kid? <laughs> You'll have the cough searcher. shaking ser- his head over. The there. AI cough searcher. Yeah. This has got to be a thing. If not, we should invent it. Yeah. Um, we should patent it. Uh, yeah. So just the the ways that we use to send, to transact, Yeah. right? Everything costs money. If you want to pay uh, for a bill using a credit card, You're there's going to the be like visa, a 3% fee. Using the visa payment rails, yeah. to speak. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm sending right? value along these rails. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if, because I've been doing some U.S. and Canadian transactions lately, right? And <clears throat> if you use the banks, you get absolutely hosed. Yeah. Like they're, they're, the in, um, exchange rate is terrible. Yeah. And then they, all the fees that they charge, right? So there are, are alternative. There's the, the get out of bed and come to work fee. And then <laughs> <laughs> I got to yeah. put my clothes on and talk to you fee. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been using other services. Right. Um, shout out to wise.com if anybody <laughs> wants to check that out. But you can have a U.S. account and a Canadian account and send money between the two yeah. or to other people via either wire or e-transfer for like fractions of what it costs to do through the bank. So this is an improvement. Yeah. Right. But it's still, you know, percentage wise, I don't know what it would be like a half a percent or something of transaction value. Um, So if you were going to do a very small transaction with a small amount, like it's not practical right now because of the the fees that we would be charged. Yeah, I think that's important to point out, right? Because if you had a very, very large transaction, like in your case, I think you're buying a house, so it might be a significant sum of money, let's say, right? 
um, or you can even scale that up to, um, you know, international level where governments are sending money, yeah. so central banks are sending money. Like the transaction cost to, to do that is like a tiny fraction of um, the overall value that's being sent. Yeah. But when you scale down the transaction to like, I just want to send a dollar somewhere. Yeah, you can't. Th- yeah, you can't because it basically costs more than that to send the, the dollar. Um, so, yeah, when you think of people... So while the money is divisible into various, very small trans, uh, various, very small amounts, right. It's not easily easy to send or it's not practical to send because you can't send it for uh, less than. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Well, yeah. Like Like a wire transaction cost eats up what you're saying. Say a wire transfer is a hundred bucks. I I don't remember exactly, but something like that. Right. So it's not practical to send 200 bucks somewhere via wire because or $102 or something. (laughs) Exactly. And so for people who are using remittances, like someone who comes to Canada works and then sends money home, they got to wait for a while. They can't just send like 20 bucks. Yeah. Right. Like there, so there are ways now, but using fiat currencies, you can't just send 20 bucks via Western union because it just, the, the fees would kill you. Right. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know. I think we've talked about some of that, but that's, we're getting a little bit off track here, yeah. but, uh, suffice it to say having a digitally divisible, um, currency is, I think is optimal yeah. as opposed to a physically divisible currency. Yeah. To look at gold and you said melting it down is impractical, like in many ways it is right. You know, anybody has like, you know, something that can melt gold <laughs> sitting <laughs> yeah. in their back pocket. <laughs> Um, yeah. And gold doesn't translate to the digital world. Like, cause nowadays everybody has their money on their phone and you just go back to gold and you got this pile of gold. It's like, all right, put the gold in the iPhone. Well, and send it to Mark. P- Peter Schiff <laughs> would argue with you, right? He'd say, no, you just start a coin based on gold. Right. And it's like, okay. You hold the gold in a central bank or you hold well, it in the, Peter Schiff's house. <laughs> there's the issue of trust, right? Like who determines actually that that much, and this goes back to central banking again, like all over again, right? Where they're like, yep, we're going to hold gold. And then we, uh, and this is before the digital age. Yeah. And then they still manage to screw that up with fractional reserve banking by uh, issuing more debit notes or receipts than there was actual gold. So all right. So we I don't think that's going to work, Peter Schiff. We quickly made it through the first two. <laughs> all right. The next one is durable. I and, wouldn't say quickly, Brent. But durable is also very similar to store of value. So I think we might be able to skip that one unless you have something really important to say. Um, as you always do. <laughs> as I always think I do, Brent. <laughs> so, well, because durability, I think that uh, is really highlighted when it comes to physical um, monies, right? Like if you talk yeah. about gold or like the paper money, something like that, durability, uh, especially when you go back in history and we, t- we talked about some of the historical, um, objects or artifacts that were used as money. Yeah. Right. Um, so it wasn't just always metal, like gold and silver, but it was also like these rye stones or salt or cattle or, sea- or seashells or whatever. So like those have all varying degrees of durability. And, um, I think we've come through a lot of history and we've, we've settled on these metals that are very, yeah. very, very durable. But when we jump into like today, we jump into the digital world um, durability is maybe a bit of a funny question, right? Cause like, if you think about durable, that's almost something physical, right? And how do we say something's durable in the, in the, in the digital world? Like it's hard to say. Well, in order, I mean, our currency now is infinitely durable <coughs> so long as we have access to, uh, to the internet or to a, to a yeah. digital platform. Right. So if we ever, and the guy doesn't push the delete button. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm just thinking like yeah. you can destroy gold but it's it's difficult right like but with digital currencies like i feel like you could just push delete and it does it's gone <laughs> so yeah i mean that's an issue of control i guess right the government yeah. could delete that uh that credit or the bank could i guess yeah. for that matter um and it would be gone so there has to, i mean basically you need a ledger yeah so yeah maybe this maybe this is a different thing oh. you need a um <clears throat> Ideally, you need a, a, a publicly available ledger that um, that is not well, controlled right now, by banks, one person. Like if you have $100 at the bank, yeah. that's just an entry on their ledger, right? It's yep. no longer they have gold in a vault or whatever. All yeah. that stuff is gone, right? 
um, and you physically aren't holding any money, so you don't have any cash. It's just a note on your phone that says like hundred dollars at your yeah. bank, right? So they, you are essentially just trusting them to maintain that balance in your account, right? Like yeah. they, they could. I actually got a notification from my bank like a couple months back about. So you have a line of credit, right? Um, and they're they're just sending us a note saying we're going to scale back the balance on your line of credit, right? As um, over the next so many months at at a certain rate. And like, you know, I, I've had this line of credit for like five years yep. and we've used it and like we keep paying it down or whatever. And, um, you know, so there's nothing there that they can point to that's an issue per se, but they've just determined that I think it's because interest rates go up, right? That Yeah, a lot of banks have been doing this. Yeah, we're going to say, you know what, like, this guy or a lot of people are over leveraged. We're going to actually tone back the amount of uh, money that they can borrow. Um, and we're going to do that gradually over time, but it's their decision, right? Like yep. they're essentially deleting my access to money. Yeah. Right. And that's something that um, maybe in the digital world is not, not necessarily um, lends itself to like durable money, but if you had perfectly durable money, so I, yeah, I they guess wouldn't be able to in push the digital that delete button. I wouldn't get that letter in the mail. Yeah, durable money means not centrally controlled. I think in the digital world. In the digital world. Okay. So what do you mean by that? Well, where a bank can't just hit push a button, right? And say this uh, this money no longer because remember in banking it's it's backwards, right? Um, deposits are actually liabilities for the bank for the bank, and um, loans are um, assets. assets, right? Whereas in that. I always had such a hard time understanding that with accounting and stuff too, right? Like, no, an asset is like... A good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A good thing. If I have money, that's an asset. That's good, right? But yeah. not so in banking because of how, how that works. Um, so, yeah, I forget the... Uh, what's the point we're discussing? <laughs> oh, durability. Dur- yeah. And the... Um, yeah, so with a bank, they, they have a different view on things, right? And uh, to your point about the line of credit, right? They have certain rules and uh, formulas they have to follow as far as like, <laughs> as, as much as we make it sound like they just have no rules, they do have some rules. And they might say like, okay, we have X amount of outstanding uh, lines of credit. Yeah. And these people are over leveraged. That means for the people that haven't used it yet, yeah, we have to... Tone it down, tone it down yeah. in order to stay within our parameters. Yeah, and that's what they've been doing for a lot of people, right? Yeah, um, is restricting access to credit uh, to make their own um, their own numbers uh, come back in line. Yeah, but that's you know we ta- we've talked <coughs> about central bank digital currencies, and um, I, like I think it's inevitable we're going to we go down this route. It? I thought we like yelled about it and kind of fought each other. <laughs> yeah. Okay, talk is charitable uh, description, but... um, Were you trying to defend the government on that? (laughs) No, Brent, I wasn't. That was hypothetical. Okay. (laughs) Twisting my words against me. Um, (laughs) But yeah, with a central bank digital currency or CBDC, um, there's much more power for the government to add or delete money. Right. Right, because again, they they can just print money out of thin air. So they could give Brent a credit and they could give Mark a debit right. if it was the money that they controlled yeah. um, already, right? So if it was like, um, you know, your baby bonus or, or whatever else, right? They could start saying, so basically, here's this money, um, but use it by X date right. if they want to encourage spending in the economy. So you have a six-month credit here. And if yeah. you don't use it, it expires. So they're <laughs> deleting so, that money. Basically, what you're saying is, like, when we had physical money, durability was, I think that's pretty easy for people to understand. Like, it's based on the physical properties of the money. But now in the digital world... Um, well, and someone would have to physically destroy it. And yeah. typically, that would be the owner yeah. of the money would have to destroy it. So, you could burn your banknotes. Yeah. Um, destroying your gone. gold would be... Because you can't really destroy gold, right? Yeah. I mean, you can blow it up and make it into tiny yeah. pieces, which Shavings is essentially spread them on the water and make people drink it kind of thing. 
Yes. Moses did. <laughs> Is that what he was doing? Was it quantitative tightening? Really? Yeah, quantitative tightening. That was... <laughs> There's a lot of firsts for Moses. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we should bring him back. <laughs> well, no, what I was saying is like, so what you're saying in the, in the, in, in digital money now where we are, because really most money is digital. Um, we're moving towards, um, and, and we, like as we go towards CBDCs and all this stuff, yeah. we're moving towards less and less durable money, essentially. Yes. Right? Because Yeah, yeah, that, that's a very good point, actually. Like right now, they don't have the same controls they might have if they had a CBDC where they could actually, um, like you said, give time limits on how much like time you have to spend this money or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, because right now, if I want to destroy money, I mean, you look I, like you could. <laughs> <laughs> you got to squeeze those um, nan- <laughs> protons. I don't know. Molecules. <laughs> Molecules. I don't know. Um, no, if I want to destroy money, I pay back a loan. Right. Right? Which is like just a really perverse <laughs> way of thinking about money. But that's that's how it works if I yeah. want to destroy it. Right? So Make how does the government do this again? Like they extinguish debt uh, or they uh, quantitative tightening. Yeah. And... Uh, for, for the record, I think we must be the first podcast to ever make a joke about Moses and quantitative tightening. <laughs> so I don't know if we can contact Guinness uh, Book of Records or something. But um, anyways, yeah. So yeah, because of the digital age that we're in, we have to we got to think about some of these things a little bit differently. And and so the durability of money, yeah, we have to yeah. approach that uh, differently, right? If yeah. we ever go back into a dark age. And there's an apocalypse and uh, massive um, <laughs> electromagnetic pulse bombs, and um, all electronics are destroyed. Yeah. Okay, then we'll have to. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to think of a different way to do our podcast. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll just uh, sit on top of a rock and yell. Yeah. Oh, all right. So we did the th- first three. Now uniform. So uh, uniform money. I, I do can... not wish to wear a uniform, Brent. No. Well. No. We're going to a world where everybody's got to wear a uniform. Okay. And be uniform. We're all going to be the same. We're all going to be equal. <coughs> Is it equal opportunity or equal outcome? Is that the whole argument? Oh, let's not get, okay, go down let's that not road. Let's not go down that road. Okay. So uniform when it comes to mo- money. Yes. Um, we described that in the past as um, this. Uh, oh, so, so every unit would have the same properties. Yep. Um, so is this, is this a big issue today? I guess before we look at what would perfect money. Yeah. So I think how much of an issue is, I think in the digital, again, in the digital world, not really. Yeah. Cause every unit is the same as every other one. Yeah. It's not like there's more value ascribed to like the decimal place on my bank account versus yours. It's like you better get on, you know, tangerine versus simply. Or- well, so there is, well, there is one way in, the, in which that is not true, right? And when we talk about uh, fiat currencies and just the sheer number of them, so one Canadian, one base unit of Canadian currency, yeah. which is the dollar, uh, is not the same as one base unit of Indian currency, the right. uh, rupee. Yeah. Because they have different values. <coughs> Yeah, And so I guess in that way, you could say they are not uniform. And that's kind of important because when you're talking international trade and what I was talking yeah. about, sending money back and forth, that global. creates friction. Yeah, a right? global even though it's Even though it's digital yeah. and I'm just like sending numbers from Canada to India, um, somebody is still taking, like a bank is still taking a cut of yeah, that. Yeah, we got to start a bank. For whatever reason. We got to start a bank, do exchange, <clears throat> do all this stuff, make loans. Well, when you think about it, it's kind of ridiculous that there has to be a middleman like to, to send digital currency from yeah. one country to another. Yeah, like I can send an email. and Yeah. Is there a middleman when there's an email? <laughs> Gmail, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe that's not a good example. But. Well, actually, sorry, it's the NSA because they're looking at everybody's email. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in, in, so we, we don't have uniformity of currency. We have it within countries. Yeah. So within, and like a reference before, right? I think 160 different fiat currencies. Yeah. So that kind of jumps into the next one, which is fungible, right? I think that they kind of go hand in hand, uniform and fungible, because 
fungible is kind of like they're mutually interchangeable, right? Yeah. And a unit within, like you said, Canadian currency or U.S. currency or whatever, like those are pretty much they're the same value. So yeah. they're fungible in that sense. But on a global scale, you're making the argument that we have all these like 160 different fiat currencies and none of them are the same value. So on a global scale, there is not really any uniformity or fungibility uh, in no. our money. No, and that's, you know, I, I'm certainly not... Um, like an ounce of gold is still an ounce of gold, right? No matter where you are in the world. Yes. And that might be interesting to talk about because like like the BRICS nations, like Russia, India, China, whatever, those, um, they're talking about different, um, like going off the US dollar and looking yeah. at different options for basing their currency, right? And I think gold is a big discussion point. And gold is something that a lot of com- uh, countries gravitate toward as well. Um, just because it's it has the same value in every country, right? Yeah. Um, does it? I mean, yeah, yeah like I, this is I guess where it gets it complicated <laughs> because it's valued in the local currency and that's different everywhere. So well, it is in like, also, you know, like in Canada, for example, we don't have any gold, right? Do we value it the same? Like, yeah, on the open market we would, but you know, the government probably doesn't just cause they don't have any, we don't have any. No. See, that's crazy. Yeah. For years, these other countries, like especially the BRICS countries, have been stockpiling gold. Yeah, but we have lots of Canadian dollars. Oh, yeah. We, we have an <laughs> we infinite amount. We can more of them. <laughs> Man, I we're mean, smart. <laughs> yeah. If, if we worked, if we had a greater emphasis on resource extraction, you know, it wouldn't matter yeah. because we would still have something physical that we could use to back up our, our yeah. dollar. But. But we don't for whatever reason. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, interesting Argentina, I think, is going to go uh, is going to peg to the U.S. dollar. Is it okay so with the tr- new uh, president? No? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know his name. I forget his name. Javier Malay. Malay. Okay. Or Mr. Sideburns, as I like to call Sideburns, him. Sideburns. Yeah, really <laughs> intense looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All right. Man. Next property, Mark. Before we go on from our tangents, portable. So. Uh, we describe okay. We're going over all the same stuff, but this is like we we have a whole well, list of things to talk about. <laughs> well, so but let's, the the this is important, folks. Well, the difference is we're <clears throat> we're kind of switching between the physical and the digital. Yeah, that's an interesting. And once you go from physical to digital, a lot of these things are maybe not moot points, but um, it's a totally different. It's, it's a, a paradigm com- shift, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so portability. When you think about in the past, gold like. We when we talked about money like the rye stones, right? Where yeah. these massive stones that they're not really portable, but um, the ledger, I guess, is it's like an oral ledger where people yeah. like you own this stone, so the value can kind of transfer, but without the actual stone transferring. But that's really limited, right? Because like, yeah, how do I not... trust? You know, like it works in a small scale, but when you when you start to scale up an economy um, and you want to actually send value and have final settlement, where like. I'm sending this value from me in this country to you in that country, and you know you've got the value, right? With like, yeah. If you just send like an oral, hey, by the way, you now have the value. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I trust you. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. We've talked <laughs> yeah, about that, right? But I've got right? this big stone on my island over here. <laughs> it works. Yeah. It works on an island with one tribe or a yeah. few different tribes, but beyond that, it doesn't. Yeah. And that's for the reasons you know that we've talked about when we're going through the properties of money, but. Um, a lot of, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of people like gold bugs who say that we should be using gold as our money. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to highlight the differences between the physical and the digital. Yeah. And then, like I said, well, you've, you brought up these company companies, countries that want to maybe have a different currency and maybe have that based on gold. Right. Well, now they're, they're going to have to do a mixture of the physical and the digital. Right, they'll yeah. have the physical asset, but again, it's not practical to transact yeah. with that. Which is kind of reminiscent of the last like couple hundred years of history. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, I wonder what happens. When yeah, we, we know how that. that turns out, yeah. right? So, but that's why I think it's important to to highlight both aspects of the uh, properties of money. Yeah. So, so yeah, portability. Yeah, gold is not. You know, if you're settling large transactions between nations, yeah, you can ship bullion between the two, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, airport heists, uh, notwithstanding, um, was it you who told me about that? What? Or was it my wife? <laughs> no, there was a big heist at Pearson not that long ago. No, it wasn't like me. $20 million worth of gold. 
Gonzo. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> so so not, not very durable. No, it is very durable. <laughs> it Whoever's stolen. got it is like, man, this stuff's heavy, right? And this will last forever. But um, yeah, you can, uh, it just, it kind of highlights, right? You can do these mass transfers, but there's always a risk. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you're depending on other people. How much? $20 million? I think it was like $20 million worth of gold, yeah. Who flies $20 million of gold through Pearson? Uh, it's surprising. There is a ton. <laughs> a ton. More than a ton. There is a lot of uh, gold that is still going back and forth right. um, via air and uh, whatever else. Yeah, more than you'd know. People uh, people are still transacting in it. Yeah. But, that, you know, that's Spanish the... Spanish um, galleons of old... <laughs> <laughs> exactly <clears throat> but there's still um yeah we talk talking about portability right yeah it's not super portable and there's security risks yeah um because when you're sending that large amount if people know about it and like certainly this Wouldn't must have been an inside know about job it if you go through the metal detector <clears throat> you're not going through the metal detector okay. <laughs> <laughs> um no but there's there's going to be people that know yeah, yeah. Right? With a large amount, there is more temptation for someone who is trustworthy to become not trustworthy because yeah. 20 million bucks, like yeah. split that a couple ways. Yeah. Okay. You know, I can I'll disappear. Make it happen. Yeah. 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 So, but in the digital world, portability, um, and yeah, we're kind of trying to hypothesize what like perfect money would look like. <laughs> but I think what we're saying is with gold or with physical monies, there seems to be this limitation. Whereas yeah. when you get into the digital world, portability is kind of like we're still with the current system. We're still trusting like our bank or our institution or a central bank or government or whatever. You're trusting somebody to kind of make the transaction happen. But yeah. any amount is portable across any yes. jurisdiction. Right. Um, provided that the recipient is in an area that's like, you know, not you know, uh, doesn't have any regulations against you sending this currency or something like that. Cause I, we have a situation where we're trying to get, um, our tenant is trying to get money out of his home country, which is Syria. Yeah. Right. And he's having a whale of a time, but like to try and get money out of the bank there and send it while like, it should be just a click of a button. Yeah. Right? It's the authority that he has to go to is not allowing him to take uh, any money out and he can only physically take $10,000 out at a time, right. but he's physically, if he goes to the country, he's going to be in jail. So <laughs> it's like he could send his wife there or whatever, and they could do the transaction. Yeah. But so that's like maybe one just kind of example I've run into, but I'm sure there's lots of different countries around the world with different regulations. And as uh, it's more, um, you know, in the government's interest to kind of protect their currency, they put up these walls, right? They don't want money to leave Syria, for example, right? Like, no, no. Because once it leaves, <laughs> that it devalues everyone else's money, and the money's somewhere else, right? And that's like capital flight, like people leaving to go somewhere else. So on a, on a digital world where we have like an institution that can control it, they'll they'll put up all these guards to say, yes. look, like, if you want to leave, you can, but we are going to tax you at like an exit tax, for example. Yeah, right? you ever heard of that? Like, yeah, yeah. So again, that that points <clears throat> to decentralization as a necessity for uh, sound money right that nobody else can control what we do with it right and people will say oh well that's just going to enable terrorism or you know <laughs> people to do bad things and it's like yeah i guess they could yeah that's that's a possibility but you know is that not the price of liberty yeah yeah right that uh, people can choose whether or not to do good or bad things, right? Yeah. Because in your example, the government is now the arbiter of what's, what's right, and right, right and wrong. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, you know, to me, it sounds clearly like that's a case of they're making the wrong choice. Right. Right. Um, All right. We nailed that one. <laughs> We're almost done here. You Reco might think recognizable. so. Recognizable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the a good money, perfect money should be perfectly recognizable. Next. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, going back to the physical age, that was a necessity, right? Yeah. Where you had... In order to facilitate trade yeah. quickly and efficiently, you need to be able to see quickly that this is the value it is, right? Yeah. This So, A, it's made by... Like, I can trust this because it has the image of Caesar on it or it yeah. has the mark of Florence Venice or whatever, or whatever yeah. on it. So, yeah, I can trust this. 
and maybe I want to like kind of weigh it and bite it to <laughs> yeah. make sure someone's not Knock counterfeited it. On it. Isn't that the sound of it? Is that where like sound money came from? Like it was like hitting it and then you could tell that it was sound? I thought that was coconuts, but okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so We're getting into fiat food later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, recognizable. Is that as applicable in the digital age? Because it's just ones and zeros, right? Yeah. So probably not uh, as applicable. But you, yeah, you do want to be able to verify that what what value you have is in fact value. And I, I would almost say to the lay person, once you go into the digital world, like there is a, a big element of trust again, right? Because you have like, yeah, it's your bank account says there's a hundred bucks in the account, but like, how well, do you know, right? A hundred dollars like, Canadian. So yeah. that has to be a recognizable yeah. um, thing as well. Unit. Right? Unit. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Next. Cause if it's like $1 redo, <laughs> you know, can you trust that? Do you recognize what that actually is? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, and then like, if you go into these 160 other fiat currencies, that's Australian, how do you, how do you know? by the way, <laughs> okay. <laughs> For our two Australian <laughs> listeners. <clears throat> um, uh, the next one here, difficult to counterfeit, um, which means obviously, okay, well, what's the expression on inflation versus counterfeiting? Like counterfeiting <laughs> is just, counterfeiting is illegal inflation and inflation yeah. is legal counterfeiting. Yeah. <laughs> the only difference there being the fact that uh, who's one, do, who's doing yeah, it? one entity has the legal right to do it. And, um, yeah, so with, yeah, with physical money, um, and I mean, the U.S. dollar would be the probably the biggest example of this, right? The twenty or hundred dollar bill is the most—I can't remember—one of them is the most popular counterfeit counterfeit uh, dollar because um, it's yeah yeah it's the most desirable and you know the most uniformly um, recognizable and used. Yeah, you know my pre- previous it's like example, a target, right? It's a target for counterfeit because it's there's so many of them and everyone yeah. needs them. Well, and everybody wants it. So my previous yeah. example of terrorism, like what finances terrorism? The U.S. dollar. Yeah, the physical U.S. dollar. The cash. Yeah, yeah. drug like drug cartels, um, terrorists. Ev- that that's what people use. Just pallets of U.S. cash. So yeah, um, yeah difficult to counterfeit so that's in the physical world and we've talked about you know that we just talked about the gold coins and how you have to make sure even though it had that mark on it still make sure that it's um legal tender yeah um and issued by the person you think it was issued by uh in the digital world yeah now you're talking about hacking right can a hacker break in and suddenly add a couple zeros to your bank account or could a government do the same thing (laughs) Legally. Yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of make light about what's the difference between legal and illegal counterfeiting, but yeah. like it's so true, especially when we talk about C- yeah, I CBDCs. I think maybe the biggest difference is just the recipients, right? Because the uh, if you have illegal uh, inflation, like counterfeiting, yeah. the recipients of that money are maybe, like you said, terrorists, organizations, drug cartels, whatever, or anything. And then in legal... Yeah. counterfeiting where which is inflation like the recipients might be you know people buying a house or corporations or whatever government entities people close to that source of money yeah right? yeah so maybe that's the difference between the two yeah so in a digital <laughs> sorry you you're not me, allowed to yawn on me this up, podcast. Right? <laughs> i'm sure our listeners are know, it's so, getting late know, it's getting not? late <laughs> lullabies by mark and brent oh boy <laughs> Um, I, I would recommend listening to our podcast at regular speed. Yeah. Um, if you want for, to fall asleep. Well, yeah, you, or if you have a, a child that, uh, you know, a baby that doesn't want to sleep, for example, yeah. just play this, they'll fall asleep and they might learn something at the same time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but on the counterfeit side, on the digital It's like, dad, let aspects, me out of the basement. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that joke never gets old. Um, you want to make sure that it is not uh, easily uh, hackable, I guess, yeah. for lack of a better word, right? That it is super secure. Have we seen hacks on like countries' currencies? Um, <clears throat> or do they cover them up pretty good or they're not subject uh, There's to nothing hacks. I can... Uh, <coughs> I can think of right now because, like, at some point you get caught, so you got to be able to move that money yeah. quickly a whole bunch of times before they the originator find, 
or the person who yeah yeah the originator figures out like i think maybe some of the counterfeiting could come in with like these secondary networks like visa card right people stealing your visa card or like uh credit card or whatever and then using that and um but yeah in today's day and age you have insurance and (laughs) yeah yeah to a certain to a certain extent i mean you've seen it in some cryptocurrencies where people will um you could argue it's counterfeiting right they'll make a whole bunch yeah and it's not valid Right. So. <clears throat> All right. Next one. Medium exchange. I don't know. I think that's more of a, I don't know. It's a property of money, but yeah, it, it is what money is. So. Yeah. I mean that maybe that goes back to the, I don't know, recognizable. Like it has to be acceptable. Yeah. In order to be a good medium, medium of exchange, um, it has to be accepted by both parties. Yeah. So the guy, the guy who has it and the guy who's like the merchant who's selling merchandise for it. The merchant of Venice. Yeah. For example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and not just by those two parties, but by other parties. So that if I know I'm getting something from you, I can exchange that with yeah. anybody else. And it's universal. It's universal. So if, if you, if we hypothesize here about the perfect money scenario. Let's and, hypothesize, yeah. Brent. Um, and we, we're talking about the global economy and the fact that, like, you know, we're so interconnected and information's flying around everywhere. So maybe, um, like, an ideal situation would be to have money that is accepted in every jurisdiction um, and is a medium for all goods and services. Yeah. Right? Because if, if Canadian, like, right now we're kind of in these silos, like 160 different silos, and money can flow around the world, but... Like if I got Canadian dollars, I know I'm good with my wallet and I can go anywhere in Canada and like, you know, maybe not go back. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of here, you English. Ah. (laughs) But no, I can, I can be pretty confident that my money will have the same value throughout Canada. I go to the States. Okay. Maybe there's places where they'll take Canadian dollars, but, um, you know, less, less confidence. Um, but if I go to like any other country, like my confidence level goes down. It's not an, a readily accepted medium of exchange. So we're kind of limited there with physical cash and stuff, but then you can start spending like well, and, visa and payments. Try that, try that in reverse, right? <clears throat> Say you're coming from Nigeria and you want to like spend your Nigerian dollar. Like good yeah, luck. People will laugh Nowhere you. <laughs> else, right? It's not like you got a US So you're talking dollar. about the strength of the currency versus a weaker <clears throat> currency, like something Well, that... not even the strength, but just recognizability. <clears throat> the Canadian dollar will take you so far. The US, like you'll, you'll figure yeah. it out. US dollar, yeah, you can spend that in most places, right? Yeah. But beyond that, right? Like maybe the euro yeah. is another one. And worst case, you go get it changed. But like, yeah, try bringing the Naira. Yeah. Um, Across borders, right? Like, it's not. Yeah, nobody's gonna. I don't even know what that is, Mark. Yeah, Yeah, did you just make that up? Actually, a thing. I I could have seen. (laughs) See, (laughs) you'll have to Google it to see if it's real. It's not in my medium of exchange uh, (laughs) bag (laughs) hot list. Yeah. So, so, but in the in the digital world, you can still like somebody from Africa with their digital whatever they are could send them to us. But there would be this exchange fee, right? And you yeah. kind of touched on that earlier about yeah. the transaction cost and the, the exchange between currencies. So it's yeah. not really like there's a good, currently, there's not really a good um, universal medium of exchange. But that is an important thing. So now that we're done hypothesizing about it, let's go to <laughs> it's a big the last and most important one, which is not et cetera this time. It's, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it is scarce. Okay. So why does it have to be scarce, well, Brent? And that kind of loops back to the first one about a store of value. But um, when we, we talked about physical monies being yep. scarce, the the scarcity of the money was kind of rooted in uh, the physical ability. Like it, it, scarcity is the money supply. Like how, how much money is there and how quickly can we produce it or make it, right? With physical money, because it's physical, somebody can just go and make it, right? Um, and so we talked about how there's a cost to the production of the money, which yep. if that cost is quite high, um, it, it will limit the supply, right? So there, the money will actually be more scarce if it's expensive or difficult or hard to produce. And that's where we get the term hard money, right? So yeah. it's hard to produce. Um, so with with uh, digital monies, now all of a sudden we have scarcity on a whole new level, Mark. It's so scarce, in fact. I don't even know if I have any in my bank. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but now, how do they produce it, right? 
scarcity is yeah. tied to the production of money and how is how is the digital money that we use today produced it's just well why does it ha- okay why does it have to be scarce how about that <coughs> right because i mean i'm sh- i think because a lot of people would yeah. argue that the ability to have abundant money is great is great because then we can just print it at will and when we need money somewhere uh, if the government needs to send me money yeah um which they do do they? I don't know if they do. But <laughs> if they uh, if they need to send somebody money targeted yeah. in a certain way, they can send that like right away, and they don't have to, uh, to go get the money. Wait, first. yeah, don't have to go get it. They don't have to wait for anything. They can just send it if they need to do uh, disaster relief checks or <laughs> you know increase welfare benefits or yeah or whatever. They they can do that with uh, no friction. That's good, isn't it, Brent? Well. Look, no. I'm taking the government side here, okay? Yeah. Hey, you're doing a pretty good job. Thank you. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> <laughs> and furthermore. <laughs> I'm out of arguments. Well, so what do I always keep saying? Uh, that that camera's done. Um, money is the store of the value of your time, right? And um, and so if you have, uh, if you're holding something, which is money, to store the value of your time, yeah. and... All of a sudden, let's say we double the amount of money in the system or we increase the supply of money dramatically. That means that the percentage that I own all of a sudden gets cut in half, right? Yeah. So, which basically means that the value of my time gets cut in half or the value that I'm trying to store into the future for future consumption or for emergencies or whatever the case may be is dramatically reduced. And so that's why it's important to have money that's scarce or at least predictably has some scarcity to it, right? Like with gold, we have a historical record of thousands of years of, um, while it's not perfectly scarce in the sense that it, it, like there is no more gold ever going to be produced and this is all the gold we have and like therefore it's scarce, it is kind of predictable that every year there's only going to be one or two percent like 1.8 or two percent inflation of the of the money supply so i can accept that because i know that historically speaking like we've had all these advances in technology and they've only been able to come up with maybe two percent more gold every year so i'm comfortable storing my value in that because i know that in the future um you know we can reasonably suspect that there's not going to be this massive influx of money supply. So as the government, <clears throat> I'll say to you, like, yeah. it's not a big deal. Don't store your money. Just spend it? Spend it. And like, what, why adva- you what saving, advantage is that? Why are you hoarding all this money? Just spend it. And then you don't have to worry about See, whether or not the value goes up or down because um, you just go get more. <laughs> and where do you get more? Well, you know, you work. Yeah. But so the thing is when money supply goes up and I were to, let's say I worked 10 years ago and I saved my money and now all of a sudden there's twice as much money. So my, my value from 10 years ago is cut in half. Okay. First of all, is that fair? But second of all, now if I go work today, I'm doing the same work. So I'm producing the same value to the economy essentially, but Mm -hmm. I'm getting paid in currency units that are half as valuable. Yeah. So that, that doesn't sound very good. Well, tell you what we'll do, Brent. We're going to supplement your income. I'm going to give you some credits. Okay. If you act a certain way, or if you do, like if you just be a good citizen, yeah. we're going to give you some good credits. Can so I we're drink give alcohol? You, uh, yeah. In yeah, moderation. In moder- yeah, I guess. Um, but no, we'll like maybe we'll even do like a universal basic income. Yeah, because we understand that life is. Will you uh, take life care of tougher. my kids for me too? Yeah, and educate them. We will and give ed- me free healthcare. I will give you ten dollar a day daycare. Yeah, so that you don't have to deal with the burden of raising children beyond a, a certain age, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, then they can go into the school system after that. So you really don't have to deal with them. You don't have to educate them. Yeah. Um, that we're going to give great. you some kind of, yeah, like, a, you know, a baby bonus and amount of money to, uh, to help You'll give me with cheap, the cost of them. Will you give me cheap food alternatives? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, Cause you can maybe print we'll the, introduce credits for you. Because you can print the you. money as the government. Yes, we can give you, like the government could solve all these problems for you, right? We'll give you credits directed at certain things so that 
Um, yeah, so that you're, you're, you don't have to worry about this, this inflation want. thing that everybody keeps screaming about, right? Like, that's not a problem. As long as we can have the authority to, to make <clears throat> these credits. So I should just to, give all my authority and responsibility over to you. Yes, you should, Brent. It's not, <coughs> a th- it's not authority. Don't think of it as authority. Right. Think of right? it as a loving Th- arm and embrace. Exactly. Around. The all-encompassing arms of the state. We will take care of you. Right. From cradle to grave? Absolutely, yes. Right. We'll even work in something about a cemetery and it'll be to the grave. <laughs> so there you go, folks. Money does not have to be scarce because that's not important. <laughs> uh, um, but like seriously, these are some of the arguments, right? The universal basic income. I mean, I think this is sort of the premise of that argument is that like, yeah, things are kind of tough. Yeah. But instead of rethinking about how like looking at how we think about money and how we're spending our money and what we're doing with yeah. with all this we're just going to print some more yeah right like maybe the, maybe the issue is we're printing too much money but really that's not the issue yeah um we just need to print some more <coughs> yeah right and and like you could see i don't know if anybody caught this but i was (laughs) okay i was being facetious right playing devil's advocate but this is sort of the idea behind a lot of um yeah government thinking is that we'll create more and more dependence on the citizens uh, of the citizens on the government yeah right because inflation is in fact stealing our wealth yeah and there's we're de-incentivizing saving de-incentivizing really good behavior yeah right long-term thinking we're going to decentivize that <clears throat> in term of short-term thinking and reliance on the government yeah for everything okay, i have a quote that kind of relates to this from safe safety and moose so each expansion of government credit and spending develops a group dependent on it which uses its political influence to perpetuate the spending and makes the job of any politician wanting to reverse it very difficult yeah, that's uh, that's very true, isn't it? Yeah, because once you create, <clears throat> once you fund a group, because well, if you were you gave the example of universal basic income, right? So if I'm going to yep. give everybody or a select group, or maybe I'm giving everybody universal, universal. Basic income, but I'm giving some people more or some people less, depending on your identity, politics, yep. or whatever. Um, that will like obviously once you start getting those checks in the mail, you're going to maybe adjust your budget. Right, maybe you're going to find a new place to live, or different food to eat, or, or maybe your job. Right, your maybe job, you don't work whatever. as much. Cause yeah. So now, what you do is, in effect, you become dependent on that, and that's not good for you. Why not? Well, it's good for the person whom you're dependent upon. But it's nice of them. What's <laughs> like? What's wrong with that? They're helping you out. Is it? That would be. Like, why can't you just accept some help, Brent? (laughs) It sounds to me like you're one of those types who doesn't trust the government. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Are you a redneck, Brent? Um, uh, not. Yeah, maybe I'm a city redneck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, with with scarcity, which was the property that we were kind of just talking about, um... If, if your money is not scarce, um, how, how do I say this? So, yeah, if, you, if your money is perfectly scarce, then you know what percentage of the money supply you own. And you therefore, you know what value you're like you have and you're um, you're storing into the future. The minute you start to inflate that like i think that would be a fair system right to say like the money supply is scarce um and therefore the work that i've done and been paid in money um will always be there for me if i want to buy goods or services so so like if you used gold as that example yeah for which it was for a long time yeah we gave the example of a suit like a nice tailored suit so if i worked like 300 years ago and i stored my money or my time in that um, so I, I, I've contributed uh, X number of value to the economy, and it's basically about the same as a nicely tailored suit. And I stored that in money. So because we're, we're talking about like what would make for perfect money, if you if you had the properties uh, of scarcity, 
that would lead to uh, basically translate to the value of um, my time that I've expended in the past carries forward to today one for one, right? Yeah. Like there's no debasement. There's no, um, there's no inflation of the money supply, which dilutes the value of my savings essentially. Yeah. I mean, in the case of gold, you, you, there is that inflation, Yeah, but that's actually being used. Like, I think there's a pretty good harmony there, right? That, uh, because technology improves so we can get gold more easily. Population is also increasing so that there is more requirement for gold for industrial and maybe jewelry, but for, for other uses. So um, <clears throat> there is an inflation, but it's actually, it, it, it doesn't debase the, um, it doesn't debase the value because there's increasing demand for that. So, and you know, for, I would imagine that the demand for gold has also increased at around 2%, right? You've, if you look at it like a long-term graph, you'll see it's, it's a little bit bumpy, right? It's not a perfect straight line, but yeah. like that's whatever, that's to be expected. Um, but the demand increases sort of in sync with <coughs> the ability to produce it, which makes sense because if there's more demand, we're going to produce more. Like yeah. I'm going to, like then the price goes up and I'm going to work find a new technology or do more work to find more. And then so over the longer period, it's it's a similar trend line. I just wanted to point that out. Right? Yeah. There is actually inflation in gold as well, um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing as long as there's the corresponding increase in demand. Yeah. See, with the universal basic income, I feel like I might vote for that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Like, no, maybe I make a pretty good argument, Brent. Well, maybe it's not a morally acceptable position, but at the same time, like the quicker the system uh, decays, maybe the better. (laughs) Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, like, let's all. Yeah. If you guys think this is good, let's vote for it and see what happens (laughs) and see how quickly it falls into nothing. Right. And. Yeah. I'm, there there <laughs> might be a case where I'd be but, in, in favor of that. Yeah. If you create money, like if the government creates or prints money, they're not actually creating value. And that's the difficult part, right? That people don't see when they see, I'm going to get universal basic income. I'm going to get a paycheck from the government for free. That money was created out of nothing. And human beings don't have the ability to say, let there be money because they're not gods. So they cannot create value, right? Like you have, they're not expending, the government's not expending anything to create this value and giving yeah. it to people, right? They're just saying it exists and here you go. And that, like what people don't realize is they might get a paycheck, but the first person to get their paycheck is going to be at an advantage to everyone else. And the first person to spend that paycheck is going to get an advantage because by the time the last person goes to spend his universal basic income, ribeyes are going to be 150 bucks a piece, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's people will tout UBI as the solution to affordability problems. Yeah. When the affordability problem is caused by money printing, by an increase in the money, by inflation. <laughs> and all you're going to do with UBI is add, like you're Fuel. just going to make the problem Fuel worse. Fuel to the fire. Yeah. Okay, so, so I we... will, listen, <laughs> listen, Brent. Okay. I want to go on a tangent for a second. Right. right? The one argument I might make for a, a UBI is something like where you have a sovereign wealth fund based on like a natural <coughs> resource. So you think of Norway, right? They have yeah. a, a huge uh, sovereign wealth fund. Um, I think Alaska does it as well, right? Based on oil extraction. So, so there is value in the ground. The government in this, I mean, it's not the government, but there is value being created, right? There, there's a, a oil that's being extracted. Yeah. Um, companies are paying, you know, they're paying taxes on this or they're, they're sharing the profits in a lot of these cases, but it's still worth it for these companies to do it. So now you've got like Alaskans get a check every year, right? It's not like huge, but it's, it's something. Because there's um, natural resources that are actually valuable being extracted and yeah, and everybody participates in And that. rather than the government just keeping that money and doing Doesn't who knows Canada what with it. Doesn't Canada have oil too? <laughs> why, why you got to poke the bear, Brent? Like, why you got to do that? Where's our oil? Come on. <laughs> I need my, you know, what is it, 10 bucks a month? Or well, uh, I think Alberta has something similar, right? But um, 
you know, I don't know that much about it, so I okay. don't want to go All off right. on that. But right. the the, I but mean, the, your comment is that any is, issuance of money from the government that hands out to everybody, like universal basic income, should be rooted on real value, should be based on yeah, something, yeah, and not just fiat money. Like we are going to print this and give it to everybody, and that will solve the problem. It's like that. That may have temporary effects on. Yeah, it may make people not want to work as much. It might make people happier, right? Like you've seen these studies come out of where, I think it was Denmark or Finland or something yeah. tried this. And it's like, yeah, 80% of the people said they were happier. It's like, well, yeah, because they were the recipients <laughs> of all the money and the people around them didn't get anything. And of course they're going to be like, hey, <laughs> right? So therefore it works. Oh, but yeah, man. that's a short-term thing because look at them now, right? Like, I don't know, let's fast forward 20 years. Yeah, How is that going to look? So what are prices going to be, right? Um, Anyways, the whole point of this episode was to gloss over these properties and then jump (laughs) quickly into the actual substance of what we want to talk about, which is um, some of the consequences of um, maybe unsound versus sound money or like perfect money in our society. Well, I think we may have to um, (laughs) save that substance for the next episode, Brent. Okay. Yeah? Let's do that. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks for uh, listening to this episode, folks. And until next time, steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.